Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I can't tell you how moved I was this morning. How many people were here this morning? And look how many people are here tonight. You guys are really leaning in. It's actually a completely new era for Christendom right now. Something exciting is happening right across generations. And I want to thank you for your open hearts, your teachability, your incredible comments after church of things that spoke to you. I was really blown away that one of my grandkids took notes better than my notes that I had for the message. (laughs) And uh, he's showing me the notes afterwards and I'm going, can I borrow them? (laughs) His bullet points were better than mine. And uh, uh, so it was fantastic to see such hunger in the number of young kids in the age of, between the ages of 11 and 13 that came up and said, Pastor Danny, that was great this morning. You really ministered to me. And I go, wow, um, the newspapers don't talk about those kids. You know, they don't talk about those issues. And yet uh, I thank God for an army of young people that are being raised up right now to see something fantastic happen. But you know, I'm in a different church every Sunday and I'm not trying to compare, but this morning I just felt so refreshed in the worship. It was so powerful and um, really um, sensed that God's about to do something powerful in this house. Uh, I know of this this morning, but I felt it before. People are gonna walk in off the street. They're just gonna walk in off the street and go, what do I need to do? How do I find God? And it's amazing that sometimes you can sow seeds and you don't know when the results are going to come. And I went to school with some Italian friends of mine and we were great mates. We still are at Nord Boys Tech. And, you know, one of them, uh, I uh, remember breaking a, a Coke bottle on the front of his tooth when he tried to steal my Coke and he started to drink and I hit the bottle and I broke his tooth. And I've repented many times for that act of aggression, but... To get a phone call this afternoon that at the three o'clock service back at our home church, his son is getting baptised. The guys that I went to school with are all at church and they're going, where are you? And I go, well, I'm not there now. I travel these days. And, and they took the pathway book, which is a journey of faith, and they've got them and they said, we're going to put them on our coffee table until you come and visit us and teach it to us. And I go, wow, that was, you know, all those years ago, sharing just after leaving Norwood Boys Tech in the 70s and the seed was dropped in their hearts and already now, God, in the latter years of their life, their kids are coming to faith, getting baptised today in church. And we can look at the negative side of life, but we can also look on the bright side of life. And tonight we're gonna talk about disappointments in just a moment. But let me tell you, our disappointments can become God appointments. I don't know what it would be like like to do life without a God purpose, without a God direction, even in the lowest of lowest of times when things happen we don't understand. We have eternity. Thank God for eternity. Thank God for beyond the grave. I did write in my journal this morning that sometimes at the end of a service, we spend one minute to talk to people about their eternity while we've spent an hour preaching about the down here and now. We spend so many sermons and we do need to do that. I'm not saying that's wrong to talk about just getting life sorted out down here. But last time I checked, we're all going and we're not all staying here. 
Some go younger than others, like I shared last time when I was here with you. But I thank God for something that goes on forever and ever. And it is the eternal promise of God for a new heaven and a new earth. And one day we're gonna live forever in eternity. That is not a myth, that is a truth. So tonight I wanna talk about, let's not waste our disappointments. I only cooked this about an hour and a half ago. So I hope it's cooked enough in the oven for it to taste good. Uh, Please pray for me because I am a little tired, but um, I'm really trusting God. Sometimes when you're tired, uh, you draw on Him even more and He comes through. In 1463, the authorities of the Cathedral of Florence, Italy, purchased a huge 16 foot tall piece of white marble. They commissioned a sculptor from the Siena from Siena to carve a figure that would display that so it would be displayed prominently. The marble was so faulty though that the sculptor abandoned the task. The marble was placed in a warehouse where it remained for almost 40 years before a 26-year-old prodigy, Michael Angelo, was asked if he could make the abandoned and mutilated marble into anything significant. He said he could. Four years later, the masterpiece statue of David was unveiled. Michael Angelo had transformed the worthless and discarded marble into something very majestic. Michael Angelo is quoted as saying, I saw the angel inside the marble and carved until I set him free. I saw the angel inside the marble and carved until I set him free. God sees the potential and beauty in each one of us. And even though the toughest of times and through the toughest of times, uh, He wants us to come to our true destiny, even through our disappointments, because He can see out of what we see as ugliness, what we see as those things that are worthless, that there's an angel inside of there that He wants to carve and set that angel free so that that angel can be a statue of beauty. And I believe tonight that God wants to take every ugly thing in our life, every disappointing thing in our life. And He has a better plan for us to leave us in that ugliness. He wants to set the angel inside of you and inside of me free. And one of the ways we do that is by learning how to handle our disappointments. We might as well not waste them. We all have them. I was just thinking this afternoon, we wake up every morning. From the moment we wake up, we are confronted with the potential for disappointment. Sometimes we're disappointed with ourselves. Sometimes with others, the things that people do to us. Sometimes we're disappointed just with the circumstances of life. Life sucketh sometimes. And uh, we think, why is it like that? And you know, sometimes we, can I be honest? We're disappointed at God. We get disappointed at what we thought He was gonna do. There was a time in my life where in my young years of the call of God that was so clear on my life, I felt like nothing could hurt me. Nothing could touch me because I had the favour of God on my life. As a young man, I thought, wow, it's just like everything you touch turns to gold. And and it seems like every door that opens is God. And, and, And you think, you know, people talk about suffering, but what are they talking about, you know? And then if you just live long enough, and do life long enough, you realise that in the, midst of all that, in the midst of all that favour, there are many, many times of deep disappointment. Sometimes we create it. 
by the silly mistakes we make, but other times it's the disappointment that comes through just what happens around us, through people, through broken relationships. In the early days of my Christianity, I never dreamt that Christians would get divorced. And yet now all these years later, even within the family of faith, we see some people just don't make the distance when it comes to fidelity in marriage. And yet, is there hope for people after divorce? I'd like to think there is. I'd like to think that there is hope and that the Word of the Lord comes and gives a second chance and a third chance. But wouldn't it be great if we raised a new generation that wouldn't have to go through some of that stuff because they've learnt to turn their disappointments around and make them God appointments. There are many examples in the Bible of people that went through disappointment. You could really take from many of them, from the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, who denied Christ after saying, I'll die for you. But I think one of the greatest examples of not wasting disappointments is the life of Joseph in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis. As I said this morning, I love to journal. And I wanna encourage you all to really lean into the Word of God. In the next 12 months, God wants to bring revelation. If you weren't here this morning, I prophesied into this church that God wants to release the highest level of revelation you've ever known into this house. So you don't live in the realm of reason, but you live in the realm of revelation. And if these young kids can journal through a sermon and write those notes down, let me tell you, there's an open heaven that God wants to open over our lives to bring forth revelation. And as I was reading through Genesis. In fact, one of the wonderful friends of mine that we're sort of spending time doing mentoring is here tonight. Chris Nichols and his beautiful wife are here tonight, Leanne, and uh, we've been getting together and journaling a little bit or talking about journaling. And he's now journaling. And often I've talked to him about my journey through Genesis and his journey through Genesis. And the life of Joseph was earlier this year, part of my journaling. But I felt for tonight, God wanted me to speak a little bit about it. I can't cover it in a lot of detail. But if we go to Genesis 37, I'm just going to read a couple of verses and then tell the story of how Joseph gets thrown into a pit. Not only does he get thrown into a pit, he gets taken to Potiphar's house in Egypt where he works for a guy who worked for the king and did an amazing job. And then he gets thrown into a prison for doing the right thing. Can you imagine being thrown into a pit that's not of your own making? Then you still serve even through that disappointment. And through doing the right thing, you get thrown into a prison that was totally unfair. And then after that, he gets forgotten in that prison. And then one day he ends up in the palace of influence and every stage of his journey, not once did he take his disappointments and make a mess of his disappointment, but he gave destiny to his disappointment and he ended up turning everything that was negative in his life around to good, not just for himself, but for everybody else around him. If I'm gonna have disappointment, I might as well not waste it. It says in chapter 37, So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhar and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. You know, a lot of disappointment happens in relationships, eh? The more you look at the story, it's just a stuffed up family. 
There's just so much going on in the family. Jacob loved Joseph more than all the other children. There's a problem right there. He, loves his, he loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph has, had been born to him in his old age. We thought he would have had a lot more sense in his old age to, to behave like that. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe, but his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night Joseph had a dream and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field trying to tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. Oh, of course, that would be a wonderful, encouraging dream. Your brothers would say, oh, God, tell us another one. And he did. And he told him another one, it's even worse. Now, come on, give the guy a break. He's 17. And at 17, kids don't read the room. At 17, they don't have the emotional intelligence to say, I could say this another way. They just say it the way they feel it. Do you like that? No. They don't need to explain it to you. They just don't like it. Have you tried it? No, I never tried it. I just don't like it. (laughs) I've seen kids in their teen years go, eat this or try this kind of pizza. No, I don't like that. And then after a while, they take a bite and they go, oh, it's all right. But they'll take a while to tell you that it's all right because they've got to stick with their nut for a while. And so here he is, 17 years of age. He doesn't have a good relationship with his stepbrothers. The father hasn't resolved the issues and he has a dream, but the dream is from God. He just doesn't have the wisdom to couch it properly. And so they decide we're gonna kill this kid. And to cut a long story short, one day he went out to visit his brothers out into the fields and they decided to kill him. And then they changed their mind and they threw him into a pit thinking he'll just lay there. The animals will eat him up and he'll die. And then some traders came through and they sold him to these traders. And he ends up in Egypt and he ends up in Mr. Potiphar's house. He gets this incredible job as a slave. He does such an incredible work that Potiphar goes, the God of this kid is on his side. We need to promote him to greater position. And then all of a sudden, Mrs. Potiphar, she saw his guns. She saw his six pack. I mean, you go and read the Scripture and it doesn't say six pack. But in the Greek, it's another word, but it means six pack because he said he was really good looking. He was very, very good looking. And it says in Genesis 39 verse two, the Lord was with Joseph and he succeeded in serving part of his house. Promotion comes to him because of his trusting God in the midst of this disappointing confusion. And yet right in the middle of doing what is right, All hell breaks loose. See, I used to think if you do everything right, no one's going to be angry at you. If you do everything right, no one's going to turn on you. If you do everything right, everybody, when we started Edge all those years ago, I thought no one's ever going to leave our church because we're going to do everything right. Well, people leave church every week all over. doesn't mean people are doing things wrong. Sometimes we think people leave because someone's doing something wrong. But Joseph was doing everything right And you know, sometimes the real story seems to get lost in the lie that seems more believable. 
Can I say something that is so dangerous right now? It's called fake news. And you hear about it all the time where people are believing stories that fit their bias. And in Australia right now, when you turn on the television, a lie can be made to look like the truth and the truth can be made to look like a lie. And this conversation we are having right now about Islam, this conversation about ISIS, the conversations we are having about all these issues right now. There was a young lady not that long ago, a couple of weeks ago, that because she had stopped being a feminist, uh, but it wasn't clarified what she was saying. And she changed her mind about that. She was crucified on Sunrise Show. She was crucified on, you know, the project. And, and a lot of the stuff that was said about this lady was total lies. What's happening right now, which has never happened before, and this is being recorded, is that there is an army of people that have had enough. And they're saying, we are getting fake news. We're not, get, we're not being told the facts so that we can make our own conclusion. We are being given the bias that people have in order to steer people to go in a particular direction. Many years ago, people used to say, you Christians are brainwashed. And you've heard me say this, I'm sure, many times. Yes, we are, but we just choose who washes our brains. You know, we've got to choose who washes our brains. The world doesn't choose who washes their brains. They just get brainwashed every day and think the Christians are the ones getting brainwashed. Well, my brains get a bit dirty and they need a bit of washing, but I thank God that the revelation of God's Word washes my brains. But here, right here, Joseph is in the middle of doing everything right. Can you imagine this gorgeous looking woman throwing, I better not say too much, there's young people in the room, throwing herself in her nice attire to this young man to seduce him. The Bible says day after day after day. You know, the enemy doesn't just come once. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, it says that the devil left him until another appointed time. See, we don't just pass the test once. See, we think, oh, well, if I heal that disappointment in my life, I'll be good for a while. Maybe you will for a while. But let me tell you, tests keep coming in all our lives and Joseph does the right thing. If I was Joseph, and I'm not a dirty old man, so please understand, I'm not trying to be crass here, but I reckon if I was Joseph, what I thought, well, I might as well have slept with her because I'm accused of doing it and get thrown into prison. If I'd given in, she would have kept it quiet and I'd still be in the palace of influence or in part of his house. But he does what's right and goes to the prison for doing what's right. And everybody believes the lie about this story. Can you imagine the frustration the guy would be feeling? So he ends up in prison for something he didn't do. You know, we all get thrown into prison from time to time. The prison of unfairness, the prison of restriction. You know, you don't have to be behind bars to be in prison. There's people in prison that are free and there are people outside of prison that are still in prison. Unfairness, restriction, separation, inactivity. You can't do much in a prison. You can't do much in a little cell. A place of isolation, the loss of reputation and the temptation to give up. A place of rejection from those who've hung you out to dry. A place of doubting your dream and your vision. But Joseph doesn't waste his disappointment. In chapter 40, verse 8, two guys in the prison with him have dreams, a cupbearer and a baker. 
and they have dreams in the prison and they start telling Joseph their dream. Now, if I was Joseph, I'd say, don't tell me about dreams. When I was 17, I had a dream and you see where this got me. I don't believe in dreams anymore. It's all hype. It's all psychosomatic. It's all mind over matter. I don't believe in dreams. And these two guys have dreams. And Joseph in the middle of his prison, in the middle of his disappointment, says, tell me your dream. Tell me your dream. For God alone interprets dreams. Do you know as Christians, until we can get to a place where we can interpret other people's dreams when we can't interpret our own, we haven't pushed through and come to a place of victory. As a pastor, do you think every time we preach that we totally live what we preach? You'd have to be perfect. We're preaching to ourselves before we preach to anyone else. But let me tell you, there's many times when I had no idea what, was God, what God was doing in my own life, what God was doing in our family. And I had no idea. And I'm sitting in a counselling room and I'm interpreting other people's dreams when I can't interpret my own. Why? Because God alone interprets dreams. What a faith in God. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Joseph understood. He tells a cupbearer that within three days, he's going to be restored as a chief cupbearer to the king, not just to Potiphar, but he's gonna be restored to the king, Pharaoh. And he says, please remember me to the king when this happens and help me get out of here. He gets out of prison. Within three days, everything Joseph prophesies comes to pass. And the guy totally forgets him. How would you feel? The guy becomes exactly what the prophecy says. And for two years, Joseph is totally forgotten by the guy who said, I'll remember you. I'll put in a good word for you. And then one day the king has a dream. Two years later, he has a dream. And he has a dream. And this cupbearer goes, there's only one person I know that could interpret that dream. His name is Joseph. And he will give you the answer to your dream. And so someone goes running back to the prison and they say to Joseph, get shaved, take your beard off and take your prison clothes off. You know, there's a time in every Christian's life where we go through disappointment after disappointment, the prison of unfairness, the prison of misquotation, the prison of misunderstanding. And you think, is this gonna go on forever and ever and ever? And then there's a quickly in a one day. They say, quickly, Joseph, quickly go and change your garments. Go and take your prison clothes off and go and shave. And I said to God, what does that mean to me today? He goes, he just needed to see. We need to be able to see in people's life a new posture of faith. Sometimes we walk around with a face that says, I'm still in prison. Sometimes we walk around with a personal atmosphere that says, I'm still caged in. But I wanna tell you, before the breakthrough, we've got to clean our face. Before the breakthrough, through. We got to take the prison clothes off. If today you're living in disappointment, make your language not be disappointment. Make your language be God still interprets dreams. Don't ever get cynical. Don't ever get like, yeah, well, I thought that was going to happen. And someone promised that was going to happen. And I've waited flipping 40 years for that. 
You're better off in the will of God for two years of your life before you die than 80 years of your life without the pattern of God in your life. Let me tell you, I don't wanna do this without God. I do have disappointment. I do have pain, but I wanna turn those things in His appointment. And I wanna tell you, I've done some things and I've learned some things, which I'll share very briefly, but there's a time where you gotta wash your face. You gotta shave your beard, spiritually speaking, and say, I want a clarity about me. I want my face to be seen. I want people to look at my personal atmosphere and know though the fig tree does not blossom and there be no fruit on the vine, yet will I rejoice in the God of my salvation. I will joy in my God. Who needs faith if you don't need it? If God answers every prayer the way you want it answered, there's no need for faith. And I've lived long enough to see things turned around. I was part of a denomination. A few years ago, God asked me to step outside that model and step in an autonomous church model and to work across the body of Christ. The things that were said about me were horrific, horrendous. And at times I just wanted to cave in. At times I just wanted to say, God, it's not worth it. Let me just run with the flow. Let me just go back where I don't cause trouble anymore. But in the last two months and in the last six months, but mainly the last two, the doors that God has opened, the things that have happened. And even within the denomination I came out of, there's now invitation after invitation to come back in and bring the prophetic voice of God. But let me tell you, I had to interpret other people's dreams when I couldn't interpret my own, when I felt in a prison where I was caged in and couldn't get out. But I remember the opportunities I've had to either get bitter or get better. And I wanna tell you, we all have times when our dreams seem so far from reality and we end up in a pit that's not of our own making. Someone else throws us in there. Can I say this? When you look at the trouble that Joseph's brothers went to to attack him, it takes a lot more energy to do the wrong thing in life than to do the right thing. Man, they planned to kill him. Another brother, Reuben, says, why don't we throw him in a pit? But he'd already planned when the brothers aren't around, I'll go and rescue him. And there was all this. Isn't it amazing? There are always people around that will never take the side of what's right. They just want to please everybody. So Reuben's trying to keep his older brothers happy by lying to them, but doesn't want his other brother, Joseph, to die. So he starts to scheme. It's amazing how much scheming goes on to protect lies. It's amazing how much scheming goes on to protect a wrong agenda. And sometimes innocent people get thrown into a pit of other people's wrong agenda. That might take us into a place of influence for a while and everything's going okay and then temptation comes day after day with Mrs Potiphar who starts to try to seduce this guy he doesn't do the wrong thing he says I will not do this to my master I will not do this to my boss and because he does the right thing ends up in prison you think it's just not fair and in that prison he doesn't waste one moment interprets other people's dreams when he can't interpret his own. And then one day there's a release. He shaves his beard, takes off his prison clothes and comes and interprets the dream of the king. And because of that, he becomes prime minister. How do you go from the pit to prime ministership? He becomes prime minister of Egypt. And then one day, everybody that had hurt him had to come and beg for His mercy 
And God says the most, one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible in Genesis 50, you guys intended this for evil, but God intended it for good. Do you know all evil intentions against you, all things that are not of God against you, it doesn't matter what the motive is. It doesn't matter whether you're right or wrong. If you stay and make an appointment out of your disappointment, God will always turn around that which was intended for evil and He will turn it around for good. But the grace of God, He didn't even turn it around just for Joseph. He turned it around for the whole family that had turned on Him. And He says to His brothers, when they go home to get their dad, when they go home to get their dad, they said, when you go home, don't argue. He says to his brothers, don't argue. Because he knew on their way home, they would have had a massive fight. We shouldn't have thrown him in that pit. We shouldn't have done that to him. It was you who started it. No, it was you who started it. He goes, don't even worry about arguing. God, you intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. What a beautiful attitude in his disappointment. We all want prime ministership, but we don't want to go through the prison. But without the prison, without the pit, without the temptations that come through Potiphar's house, we can't be trusted with the palace. And I want to tell you, there's an army of fathers and not, they're not all old. They're not all in their 60s like me, but there's an army of fathers that a generation of teenagers are waiting for that can go through all the ups and downs of life and end up at this end and say, God is real. He can be trusted and you can put your faith in Him because we want authentic Christianity. And so tonight, just in this next couple of minutes, how long have I got left? I've just lost time. Have I got 10 minutes, five minutes? 10? Okay. Let me just share with you, because we've run out of time, what I've learnt in my disappointments. And I'm still on this journey, guys. I really am. You may want to write this down. It's so simple that it actually works. Sometimes it's so deep it can't work. This is simple. Number one. This is deep, get ready. God is enough. Number one, God is enough. While we rely on other people to make us happy, while we rely on churches to make us happy, while we rely on our spouses to make us happy, we're never gonna get there. But there's gotta come a time individually where God is enough. And I remember when we lost Chris, I remember other times through family crisis and people all have opinions. If that hadn't happened, that wouldn't have happened. If this didn't happen, that wouldn't happen. If you'd spent more time with your kids when they were little, that wouldn't have happened. Possibly true. But what do you do with all but if? And if you only? You know, there are three kinds of love in the world. There's the because kind of love. Because you did that, I really love you. Because you do that, I really love you. If you do this, there's the if kind of love. If you do this, I'll give you my life. If you sleep with me, I'll marry you. Amongst young people today, there's the if kind of love, because kind of love. What about the in spite of who you are? No matter what you do, I'll just love you. We don't get a lot of that around. 
The in spite of kind of love is the agape love of God, not just the filio love that's the normal or the eros love, which is the erotic love that people have. There is a love far deeper than that. And it's the love of God that says, whether you do that, whether you hurt me, whether you do this, whether you do that, I will still love you. And I haven't arrived at that point yet, but I want to tell you, I'm breaking out of prison. I don't want to stay in my prison of unforgiveness. And I want to rise out of that prison and I want to live in that kind of love. God is enough. Number two, it doesn't matter what people think. Oh boy, you're talking to Danny Goog who wants everybody to love him. There's a hole in my heart that's been there ever since I was a kid. I've just been loved unconditionally. I think we all have it. Growing up in an Italian culture, where cut your hair, do this, do that. You don't look right unless you... And I did that to my own kids. When I said I would never follow my parents' example, I passed it on to my kids. This whole thing of needing acceptance. I don't want to hurt my dad. I don't want to hurt my mum. I don't want to upset them. I don't want to upset the movement. I don't want to upset this. What a freedom when God is enough that you can come to a place and go, it doesn't matter what people think. I'm going to live to the audience of one. Number three, true friends are clearly identified in seasons of disappointment. Oh, I thought I had a lot more friends than in my darkest time I realised some people can't handle your brokenness and they just get on with their lives and their busyness. But guess what? You don't need a lot. You just need a few. A few good friends that will caress you will correct you, will direct you, will stay with you. I've got friendships now where we can look at each other and go, no, 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 that's a bad attitude. Don't feel like that, Danny. Danny, don't think that. That's just you out of your hurt. Thank God for friends like that. Because I don't have to keep groaning, I can keep growing. I don't want to just groan, I want to grow. And so tonight, I want to say, I've got to move quickly. God is enough. It doesn't matter what people think. True friends are clearly identified when you go through disappointment. You discover, number four, your own bad points and your good points. When disappointments come my way, there's another Danny that lives inside of me. There's a reason for this body. There's another Danny there. It's my twin brother. There's the God Danny and there's the flesh Danny. And when stuff happens, that's not fair. Oh, the Italian Danny rises up, punch their head in. I've wait till I see them. And then when I see them, hello, how are you? How you doing? So nice to see you. Not. And so when you go through disappointment, you find out all the ugly bits inside of you. But you also find out the good bits. And they're the bits where you can counsel yourself. Talk to yourself. There's a church inside of all of us. It's that congregation that goes, you're an idiot. That congregation that goes, that was stupid to think like that. And you listen to that congregation inside of you. And you go, yeah, that is me. You know, see, the church needs to be open. We need to be open, you know, broken but open. If the musicians can come, thank you. I saw out of the corner of my eye someone walking up the stairs with a ministry of hints. Okay, and so very quickly, you discover your own bad points and your good points. Next one, you can turn your tears into a river of refreshing for others. Don't turn your disappointments inward. <laughs> 
but let them become a river of refreshing for others in the way that you journey those disappointments. I can't believe the number of people every week, even when we don't speak about our family crisis and losing our son. I was in Tasmania last week and a couple come down the front and they just sit with me. And for the first five minutes, they just kept crying. Said, Pastor Danny, you know how I feel. We just lost our daughter, 36 years of age, two little kids, and just cried and cried. And I cried with them because my tears might help to be a river of refreshing for those that are hurting around us and we can hurt together. I also discovered that you clarify your convictions. You actually clarify what you really believe when you have disappointment. It's no use saying I love everybody except them, 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 them and them and them because they hurt me. You discover your true convictions. You grow deeper in compassion. Material things don't matter as much. You become more grateful for what you do have. And last of all, eternity becomes real. That's what I've learned through my pain. Those things I've just read to you are not just statements. I've come to the conviction that God is. As much as things suck, God is. I can't shake that. Gee, I've got more, more questions than I've had before. But I know God is. God, you can deliver us from the fiery furnace. Three Hebrew boys said, our God will deliver us. But if not, we will still follow him. That's the highest form of faith. Do you know how many times I've been told in the last year, Pastor Danny, if you can stand with all that you're going through, we can stand. I can take you to people that have gone through a lot worse than us. Although I can't imagine anything worse. But if I can stand, my friends can stand because my conviction is God is. God is. I've got that conviction. And so tonight, if we can just bow our heads in prayer. I can't guarantee that disappointments don't come. But there's an angel inside of every one of us where disappointments can make us feel ugly like a piece of stone of no value with chips all over it and nothing good can come out of this rock. And there is a master artist who died on a cross for you and me. His name is Jesus, who sees the angel inside of all of us and he wants to keep chipping away until he sets us free. I don't want to go to my grave with baggage all around me. I want to go free, knowing that I've taken disappointments and turned them into his appointments. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 